Nobody went to school for sales. Each of us has our own journey, a journey that ultimately reveals the two opposing forces, the art versus science, the relationships versus the metrics, selling versus sales. What side are you on? This is the Love Selling, Hate Sales podcast. So today I am joined by Jeroen Courthout, who is the co-founder and CEO of Salesflare, CRM platform. Jeroen, thanks for joining. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we got some exciting stuff to talk about today. It sounds like, uh, you know, you co-founded a CRM company and salespeople love CRM, right? I mean, that's like their favorite thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. This is funny that there are so many CRMs out there uh, while, while people generally don't like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it because everybody thinks they can do better? I guess. I don't know that it's that everyone thinks they can do better. You know, speaking from the seat of an individual contributor myself, I would say that it's just, you take a phone call, you write your notes, you do whatever you got to do. And it's almost like big brother looking over you, right? Like, oh, it's not in CRM. So it didn't matter. Yeah, It's it's almost like that. You don't trust me that I'm doing my job. So I have to put it in CRM. It's, I think it's a little bit of that. Do you hear that often? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that's a symptom of something bigger. Um, and the bigger thing is you don't see the value in the CRM. The only person who sees the value is your sales manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're looking over your shoulder, but you don't see what it does for you. Right. right. So you only see like, ah, big brother is there looking at stuff. Exactly right. Well, you have a tagline here that says making CRM more human, right? Well, what does that mean? Um. I personally think that CRM software is not built for salespeople. Um, it's not built for humans. Well, it's built for the managers in many cases, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, for them, it's perfect to to get these, uh, these pipelines and the forecasts and all those kind of things. Uh, but in the end, I think it should be built for the end user for the people using it. But also the manager will not get any value from it if their sales team doesn't use it. So right, exactly. already there. Um, and I think a lot of CRMs are selling themselves as the, a, a system that is going to help you follow up your sales. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it never really works. And the reason why it doesn't work is because there is this stigma on salespeople that they're lazy. And that is often used as, a, as an excuse for the software not being built for the salesperson, you know? That's right. actually what I heard when in 2014, I was doing customer interviews. Okay. I was asking people like, how do you do sales? What kind of software do you use? How do you organize yourself and all that? And then I was like, so are there any issues with the software? And then people are like, yeah, you know, like salespeople don't use it and all these kind of things. But actually that's just, that's just the salespeople are lazy. Um, I don't think we can fix the software, they would say. Um, you need to fix the salespeople. You just, um, you know, you make their bonus dependent on it, or maybe you even fire them if they don't do it, right. or you organize these meetings where you uh, grab them by the hand and, and go with them through the pipeline to make sure that everything is up to date or, you know, all these kind of stupid things. Yeah. Or we, or, or you hire an assistant and the assistant is going to do it all for the salesperson. All your data entry, yeah. Yeah, all these kind of solutions that, don't really make a lot of sense. And then if people really think about, okay, but what is really the issue? I think it's the fact that the software uh, for the salespeople is still built in a very 
with a very archaic mindset mm -hmm. where the expectation is that you are this extremely disciplined, uh, almost robot-like person right. who documents every single thing they do without error. Right. Uh, like every time you meet someone new, you're like, my God, uh, can you wait? I have to put this in the CRM. I have to put this in CRM. <laughs> <laughs> or you send an email and then you put in the CRM, you have a little meeting and put in the CRM and you place a call and then you're like, oh, it's in the CRM now. Or yeah. somebody sends you an email with an email signature and like, oh, that's so good. I can put that in the CRM. Cut and paste uh, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, let's, so walk me through this scenario, right? Like, so real world, I'm, you know, I have a call, you, you and me, we're doing a sales call. I take a bunch of notes in whatever, Evernote, OneNote, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. Um, I cut and paste my notes from that call into Salesforce, right? I, yeah. I log that activity and then I create, um, create new task. So I create my mm -hmm. follow-up task and then in however many days I set, I've got this follow-up task. Like that's a normal, a normal process, right? Yeah. So what's talk to me through a better process. Yeah, actually the process is broader than that. So first you meet a new company, right? Mm -hmm. And the first thing you'll do is you'll, you go into Salesforce and you set up typing their name and you put in their website, perhaps you mm -hmm. put in whatever you decided that you need, like the address and the phone number and whatever. Um, and then you'll, uh, from there, there's this button, uh, create a contact and mm -hmm. you create that contact. You type their first name, their last name, their email address, their phone number, whatever. Yep. anything you've gathered so far, you put in there. And then you may be a second person that you've met. And then you'll uh, create your first activity, uh, like you said. Then, then there's, there's actual space for that activity. You link that activity to the account. You yep. link to the contact. You put in the notes you made. You know, you're already, already far along. And then that person, they're happy with, with, with your call. And they email you. And then you're like, okay, this email needs to go in the CRM. You put it there. But then actually they copied in another person. And then you're like, oh, my God, uh, another person. So you take that person, yeah. and their first name, last name, email address. Oh, they have an email signature. You start copying things over yeah. completely. Yeah. And then uh, you uh, you probably create a task. It's, it's yeah. been a while since I've been in Salesforce, but for sure, uh, you create a task, which is this really weird form that you're filling out. Yep. Stuff. And then when you complete the task, it creates another one or something. Mm -hmm. Something funny there. Um, then these task reminders, they somehow, they just pop up in Salesforce in a really weird way, not really yep. helping you to remind anything, but, but there's this, this um, enormous amount of little things you need to do to keep Correct. it working. It's extremely manual. Yep. While it could be like this, uh, you meet a new company, just typing their, start typing their name. It says, do you mean this company? You're like, yes, you click, you do save. It pulls in all the information that it knows about the company. You don't have to do that anymore. It says, oh, it seems you already know that person and that person and that person because we've seen that you emailed them or had a meeting with them or something. Um, and it actually sees that that person already sent you an email with a signature, pulled that information, added it. It found some extra information about that person on social media, also added that already. You're like, yes, this person I want to add, this person I don't want to add, this person I want to add. 
immediately when you do that, you see the, the full timeline of all the stuff that happened with these people already. Right. It says you've sent an email, you had a you had a meeting, comes from your calendar, something picked up from your phone, uh, a call there. Um, if you had been using our uh, email tracking already before that, it says, well, this email was opened, that was clicked, they actually also okay. the site. And it says a bit lower to the right, it says, and it seems that actually your colleague, whatever, Robert or so, uh, he knows that person pretty well at the company as well, based on his mailbox and calendar. So maybe he can actually help you to get a better uh, connection with the company. And all of these things are just there immediately. You don't need to copy over email signatures. You don't need to right. put emails in the CRM. You don't need to... Uh, copy meetings in, uh, calls, all this kind of things. The notes, copying them all from Evernote, that you still need to do. Uh, with yeah. all the other things, they're sort of gone. Well, and this, you know? No, so yeah, what you're describing to me sounds like, you know, my desktop with about 10 different windows open that I use to manage different aspects, right? I've got LinkedIn open, I've got Zoom info open, I've got Salesforce open. I've got uh, Outlook open. I've got, so, you know, everything you're describing almost sounds like five to six different things that I use on a day-to-day, but all consolidated into one platform. Is that what you would, yeah. how you would describe yeah. it to a certain extent? Yeah, actually LinkedIn, we're, we're currently looking at integrating that closer and that they make that very difficult. And then they even tried to block us there, but we'll probably just move ahead. Right. Uh, with a sidebar, so you actually then can can use the two uh, very closely together. Um, the way we we actually started off is we saw someone uh, in Outlook or in Gmail, mm-hmm. and they were like in Outlook, and then they went to the CRM, and then back and forth, and yep, the exactly. calendar, and then the CRM, and then, uh, and that's those are the first things that we integrated, making sure that emails, meetings. The things you send and stuff, it all happens in one place. Right. Uh, and this could be your inbox with a sidebar in which you can organize everything for when it comes to the CRM or the sure. other way around. You can be in a CRM and do all your emails and meetings and all this kind of stuff. Um, but then indeed, there's some extra info added uh, to it and a sort of Zoom info-like thing inside the software is something mm-hmm. we're thinking about as well. We currently already offer uh, the CRM part, obviously, but then also you can send email sequences uh, from our software. Okay. We're thinking of, of even adding then um, a sort of lead components that you can do this kind of zoom in for like uh, search. Yeah. So making tying together like the, the core foundation of data, which you need for any sales and marketing efforts, the kind of the, the, the marketing prospecting email sequencing type of thing. And then really the day-to-day sales activities all in one place. Yeah. And in a way that it's, 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 it's easy to keep it up to date. Yeah. I love it. So you talked a little bit about the sequencing point. Let's, let's double click into that a little bit. So, you know, there are a lot of email sequencers out there, um, whether it's HubSpot, SalesLoft, Marketo, you know, all at various levels of, of software Mm -hmm. maturity. And there's certainly no shortage of spam email that you get from salespeople every day. So how can you use automation the right way? Like how can we make it better? How can we make the buyer experience better? I think it all starts from empathy. 
And it all starts from doing it manually first mm -hmm. <laughs> instead okay. of just automating right away. I think that uh, a very hard thing is to do automation well. And that starts from the issue that if you, if you start automating, all of a sudden you start feeling like the, the people on the other side of your automation are numbers mm -hmm. because you're automating something at scale. So they become numbers and it's, it's very hard to keep empathy with these people. Um, and the trick there is to um, sort of think about them one by one, mm -hmm. really think about who are they, what's going to trigger them, what's their context, how can I make sure that they reply to me? And if, if needed, I mean, just, do it one by one, take right. one, send them an email, um, think about all these kind of things, then the second one. And if you do that, let's say with 10 to 20 people or so, at, at some point, you will start feeling this routine like, okay, I did it for that person in a specific way, that person in a specific way, but actually it's all a bit the same. And if I just do it like this, right. then it works. But then you've used your empathy a lot of times and right. it's really something that if the other person gets it, the other person is like, oh, this makes sense. <laughs> because a lot of the things you get nowadays, the automated things, you, you wonder like, how can anybody think that this can trigger <laughs> another human being? Right. Uh, um, and that's just because it's, it's, it's hard to keep that empathy there. So that's really something to focus on. Yeah, I like that. I love the idea of starting manual first. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't automate something. Automating a bad process is just exponentially making a bad process worse, right? So if mm -hmm. you automate bad emails, it's just going to be bad. So going through that thought process of really drilling into who's on the other side of that email, taking the time up front to do that homework, think about what messaging, what that human might care about, and then bringing some, I don't know, I don't know if personalization at scale is a misnomer, but then bringing that concept into it, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, personalization at scale. I think that's that's probably partly what it is. And um, and, and and knowing where the automation also should end, like there's there's some things that you cannot automate without impairing the customer experience. Right. Um, you can go, you can automate this, but not that. Very often you can automate, for instance, the first outreach email and then maybe a follow-up email or so. Right. And as soon as people reply, <laughs> if you're going to start trying to automate that, it's not going to end well in most cases. That's where where you as a salesperson come in and you... Right. You, you, you start listening to people, you adapt yourself to the, to the specific customer and, you know. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of folks, when you start thinking about that initial outreach, right. And where folks are trying to do their prospecting efforts, there's all sorts of forums and experts and people out there talking about the, the right touches, right. You know, phone calls, emails, social media, whatever it may be. Have you integrated that concept into your platform or how are you thinking about that? sequence of touches to a prospect yeah when it's when it comes to um the the sequencing that i was talking about it's mm -hmm. it's email sequencing mm -hmm. um we might integrate some some tasks in the future also to sure. it a bit more uh when it comes to automating connection requests on linkedin and stuff uh, i think that's going to die uh, pretty quickly actually this week or last week uh, LinkedIn uh, 
rolled out a whole new update again, which makes it harder and harder to do some. I think you can now only send 100 connection requests a week. Mm-hmm. So you need to be very uh, selective already uh, right. what you do. Um, but but yeah, the, the, the way we, we usually attack it there is we uh, write very short emails that go to the point very quickly because the, the first thing that you want to get is you want to pique someone's interest mm-hmm. really shortly. Uh, people are very good at at uh, detecting um, um, sales emails nowadays right. and ignoring them. And especially if they're <laughs> very long to read, then nobody's ever going to uh, take the time. Plus, if the thing you ask in the email at the end uh, is something they completely don't feel like doing, then uh, then you you can also not send the email. The approach we usually take is very short. It's like, for instance, um, hey, uh, we're emailing about this. It's interesting for you because of, and uh, are you the right person to talk about it, or or should we talk to a colleague of yours? Mm-hmm. This is very simple. I mean. If that person is not the right person, they can say it and say the staff colleague is the right person. They can say I'm the right person, but we're not asking like let's get on a call or let's book something or because that's just a, a bridge too far. And then I think a lot of the follow up is is trying to um, get a better entry or to tackle some objections that they might have along the way. But I think the the best way is to find a better next step forward uh, and try to iterate a bit on that uh, in the, in the, maybe the, the second and the third follow-up you do. Right. Um, and then in the last one, it's, it's always good to um, tell people that um, you've tried, uh, but you're going to stop now. Um, you still often get a lot of good responses from that. It's just that people, people are often busy and, right. It's good not to write stuff like, oh, we're all busy, but just to say like, okay, I've emailed you about this. It seems like you might not be interested or something. Uh, if you still want, then, mm, but otherwise I'll stop emailing you. So, so I mean, <clears throat> let's flip it around a little bit, right? So as a CEO, you're the target for a lot of sellers out there, right? Yeah. So what resonates with you? Like what, what does it take to get a meeting with you? Oh, the best things, uh, um, if it solves one of my issues, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's already sort of a requirement. Yep. Um, then, um, if you can show that, for instance, you've already done this for a competitor, a competitor of ours or something. Okay. Um, if it, if it doesn't sound generic, but it's, it's like, um, we can fix this issue and which actually I've done it already for that company and that company that are actually relevant peers for me that I'm like, right. Oh, that's cool. And then it's, uh, it's not too complex for me to check it out. It's not like, uh, let's get on a, on a 30 to 60 minute call where I'll tell right. you how awesome we are. I'm not really interested in that. Uh, the first thing I want to do is, is quickly check out whether it might be something, uh, and if it if it might be what the price indication might be, sort mm-hmm. of, because I want to know whether the time I'm going to spend uh, 
um, on a potential call, you know, they, they have to happen, um, is, is well spent. Um, so you're I doing bro- self-qualification. Yeah. You're almost qualifying yourself to a certain extent. I, I'm, I'm qualifying what I'm going to, uh, yeah, I know what you mean now. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm doing the, the opposite of what the salesperson does, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's super interesting. So I, I assume you're a privately held company. Yeah. Yeah. So understanding your pain points ahead of time are inferences enough. Like you're a CEO, you probably have this pain points or is there somewhere as a seller, I could go figure that out. Do you, are you active on social media? Do you have articles posted? Like what, what are the types of things again, trying to put, put myself in the shoes of a salesperson trying to sell to you? Mm -hmm. Where would I go? How would I find out if you're not a publicly held company? You want to find out about Salesforce or about me? Or? I want to find out about you. I want to find out what your pain points are. Ah, that's that's a good question. I think um, you can look at what we do and mm-hmm. sort of see how we do it. And based on that, you can probably infer a lot of stuff already, see what kind of company we are. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's 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 probably you you can find out so much about people nowadays just by checking their website checking if they have software their software uh, seeing what technologies are run um uh sort of you know, the size of the company in many cases and then and then you're like they must have that issue and actually right. this is a really good process to go through um because the the more targeted you can make your outreach um the the better you sort of research like how does a customer for us usually look the more successful you're going to be at closing these deals uh and the the well the better ROI you're going to have on your sales process yeah totally agree so let's let's take it a step further right let's pretend we set the hook we we get Yarun on a meeting what are you looking for from the seller on that initial call like what do they do to demonstrate that you know, to, to create dialogue and to move the process forward. Listening, actually listening to, uh, to my issues, um, taking the time to do that. And even after when they present their solutions, uh, still keeping it a dialogue. Hmm. Uh, what I hate the most is that they just say, okay, we have this thing I'm going to show you. And they never stop to actually wonder whether I'm interested, what they're explaining already for five minutes. Right. Um, then I very quickly zone off. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to solve something very specific uh, in many cases. And all of the other stuff is nice, um, but it's sort of wasting my time. Yeah. So if we're, Listening in to the specific things, you know, validation along the way, right? That what you're saying resonates with you because a lot of times people are just continue to sell, 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 but they're not validating if what they're saying matters to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. The best thing is you, you get on a call with me. You're like, oh, you're, uh, so whatever we're talking about, you have this, uh, what, what kind of issues do you have with that? And then you just make a conversation. It's funny. You're like, you're talking with friends. You're, you're not trying to sell anything. You build up a little, of, a little bit of a relationship. Uh, you sort of start knowing like, what is my context uh, around these issues and all that. And then you're like, okay, we might have something here, uh, this and that. What do you think about that? Do you think that 
could work for you or right. is it and then i say well it might not because of that and that and then they're like well but we could do it like that right right you no know, and then it could work for you and then i'm like yeah but that's and then they're like yes but then that you know and and we actually come up with a solution together rather than someone getting on a call and, uh, and saying well i have this awesome deck here right i'll show it to you <laughs> you know yeah, that coming up with a solution together is super critical, right? Because then you've taken ownership of it. Yeah. Right. It's not someone just telling you, you've collaborated on it and you've built this solution that you now have some ownership of. So you feel like you're invested in taking it forward. Yeah. Yeah. And and it and it's actually a solution that I need. I yeah. So. so another topic along the same line that a lot of guests of this show get into. And we feel, I feel like it's a big gap in the marketplace, right? For sellers is just the general idea of business acumen, right? Being able to have a, a general business dialogue with someone like yourself, who's a business owner, right? So when you're a seller, you go into training, you get product training, you get your sales process yeah. training. Maybe you get your challenger or your medic or your bant or whatever the hell training methodology that they send to you. But who's teaching these people about business, right? To have a business conversation, like you were saying. That is very, very hard. Uh, I honestly don't don't know myself how you can easily fix that. We have we've had some issues like that in the team as well. That um, they're like like we for instance sell to uh, agencies and we partner with agencies and software right. development companies and stuff. And I've I've done this kind of stuff, so I understand how these companies are run. But then sure. I get a team member in, and then that team member has never done this kind of stuff and. Is these companies say stuff, I say stuff back, and they're like, why does he say these things? Right. And it's it's extremely hard to transfer this kind of uh knowledge, I think. What we try to do then is to turn it into a, a sort of a framework where right. you know, like these companies can be like this and that and that, and they usually do that and that, and then you can ask these questions, but then the issue is when when that sort of goes off track, you know, when <laughs> yeah. it doesn't fit the framework anymore, then it's panic. Yeah. Um, I think it, yeah, it takes a lot of humility. Uh, yeah. Is that the right words? Uh, yeah, humility is totally person. accurate. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 a good dose of self confidence. Because you're you're putting yourself in a vulnerable place where you try to understand people, um, which is hard because it it makes you look. Uh, it it might make you feel like you look non-intelligent uh, right. to the to potential customer. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I think the customer feels like you're actually listening to them. Um, but it's it's hard to feel. A, that way as a salesperson yourself, you know? Yeah. So yeah, there's a fine line between vulnerability and confidence, right? And you you need to have a certain level of both in order to make, have that conversation. Yeah. So like one of the things that I, that I often tell, you know, young sellers is go start a business, even if it's a small side hustle and get yeah. kicked in the teeth a little bit, right? Like understand cash flow, understand inventory, understand like all of these different things that you may have to understand, no matter, even if it's an Amazon dropship business, who cares, right? Yeah. Like you're going to learn some basic fundamentals that's going to matter to every business owner, whether they're fortune 10 or 
you know, the mom and pop shop down the street selling popsicles. Like they all go through the same challenges. Like, so for me personally, I'm a failed business owner. In my early 20s, I started a business, I got punched in the mouth and I closed the doors. But guess what? I could talk to other business owners because I know what they're going through, regardless of, yeah. of how big they are. So that I is think good that, advice. Yeah. And and the and the barrier for starting a business are, are they're very low nowadays. So it's not like like it's a hard thing or so. Yeah, exactly right. And then maybe it's successful. So you know. That, that could be yeah. a good thing too. I, I do think that it's one of those things where it's good for the individual and it's good for the employer. Mm-hmm. Because would you have any issue with your sellers having some side business that you know keeps them engaged, keeps them learning, keeps them doing things while still going and helping your business? You know, then they know more about how your business runs, right? And they can connect mm-hmm. those dots. Like to me, it's a, it's a win for everybody. No, I definitely think it is. Yeah. Very cool. Um, all right. So we talked about humanity in the, in the sales process, how we can make technology more human. I think that's awesome. Talked a little bit about, you know, framing up the, the human side of it in your prospecting and your outreach, whether that's through email or phone calls or things like that. Talk a little bit about how you sell to the CEO. I think that's awesome. Uh, your concept about empathy and vulnerability. I think those are big ones for sellers. Like most people don't get into sales without some level of confidence, but it's just as important to have that empathy and vulnerability on the other side in order to have a human to human connection. What else are you seeing in the marketplace? Like what else are we missing? What's the future of sales look like? The future of sales. I think salespeople will be able to spend way more time with customers, actually working with them, actually doing these things that we just said, Um, because software is actually getting better. Um, There was a lot of sales automation software uh, launching in the last, I don't know, seven years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of that is getting to a mature stage. It's all um, coming into the CRM more and more. There's a lot of proper data being built up uh, lately, which means that um, a lot of intelligence will be able to be built on top of that. Uh, AI will get a better place uh, in things. And a lot of the things that, that you as a salesperson dreaded doing that felt more like a robot was at work than an actual mm-hmm. human, um, they will start going away. And I think that's good because then salespeople can apply their human side more and more. Um, the same sort of issue uh, persists where uh, even throughout all the automation, you need to keep that automation human, mm-hmm. which is a, a sort of a challenge, um, especially because it's, relatively still new thing um but i i see a future very in the very near term actually um where it's going to be a a nicer uh, place for salespeople. yeah it's interesting how the more technology we introduce the differentiator is humanity yeah yeah i think a lot of things um, that are sort of make us feel like a robot are better Mm -hmm. done by robots and that's then the technology. So the human part remains for us. It's it's not just in the sales world. It's also um, accounting, you know, right. There were these days that accountants were just uh, putting lines into a system uh, from, from an invoice, the one after the other. Nowadays there's accounting systems that, do a lot of the job for them. 
they make these lines, they put them there, they just validate it. And then they can do the actual accounting work, which is looking at, okay, how can we organize these things? How we can organize it better? Uh, you know, that, the interesting part of the accounting job. Yeah, kind of the so what, right? Like just because, yeah. you know, everything, there's all this manual stuff that has to happen, right? And you're saying that that's good for the technology, good for the robots maybe, but mm-hmm. the the layer of so what still needs to be done by a human. I don't think there's any level of AI that can answer that question for a business, for an individual, for whatever, right? It will at least take a, take a long time uh, for AI to automate the most human aspects. Uh, I think the the sales role is something that uh, in the more more complex sales processes at least uh, will 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 be there for a long time um, whereas many other a bit less less human jobs you know are are more likely to be automated quickly yeah for sure well Jeroen, it's been awesome to have you on the show before we let you go tell the audience about salesflare what do we need to know yeah, so Salesflare is a um, is a a sales CRM for uh, small and medium sized businesses who sell B two B. It's mainly um, agencies on our software, like uh, marketing agencies, mm-hmm. software development companies, uh, consultancies of all kinds, but also a lot of tech companies. Uh, historically, a lot of tech startups, but also uh, larger companies nowadays. Uh, the mid-sized ones uh, that I mentioned. And uh, they get on our software because they're bored uh, with uh, Salesforce in many cases, but also other software. They see that it just doesn't work for them. Like they got it for the right reasons, but it seems that nobody is using it uh, properly and they don't feel all the benefits they should get from it. And still they pay a lot of money. And then they look for something that will actually work for them. That's uh, in many cases how people get to us. Um, And we offer something that uh, um, is very simple and easy to use. Still does a lot of stuff, but it's not immediately making it super overcrowded and difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, But mainly uh, takes away a lot of the, the robotic stuff that you need to do. Uh, Takes it out of your hands, make sure that, uh, especially the data input is, is largely unneeded. Uh, so you always have a system you can rely on instead of the system relying on you, let's say. Um, yeah. All right. And if they want to find more, learn more, where do they go? To find out more about Salesflare, yep. uh, you can go to salesflare.com. Uh, it's Flare with F-L-A-R-E. Uh, okay. You can read all about the software. You can try the software you get seven days when you start a trial, but you can uh, earn more days by setting up the software uh, until 30 days or more. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that on LinkedIn. Um, you can send me a, a non-automated connection request <laughs> with a personal message. Um, I get a ton of spam every day. So if, if it doesn't have a personal message, I will just assume it's spam. But if you add a personal message, I'll certainly connect with you and we can have a chat. And if they listen to the show, they should know what you care about, right? And they should be able to easily tailor that message. Exactly. All right, Yeroon, thank you for joining the show. It's a pleasure to have you. 